It's the Dogcast, episode 193, Much to Do About Nothing. Dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 193, broadcasting live from 60 feet beneath the turf at Sanford Field. We are your host, Derek and Old Dog. It is summertime, uh, lots of storms, and lots of rain, not, yep. a lot, not a lot of sprinklers coming on in the turf. Everybody wants to know what's going on in Athens. That's pretty much what's going on. Well, and the best thing I can say since our last show, we've had nobody arrested. That's right. Nobody's been arrested. Nobody's been suspended from the team for any length of time. And the grass at Sanford Field looks fantastic. So, let's see. What's going on in the world of dog news right now? We've got uh, two kickoff times to report. Uh, The season opener against Oklahoma State is going to be at 3.30 on ABC. Yep. And just in the past, like, 48 hours, they've reported that our SEC opener and our home opener, 7 o'clock on the deuce. Yeah, uh, originally reported to be 7.45 on the original four-letter network. But they look like they're going to opt for uh, Southern Cal, the other USC, against Ohio State, and that really is not going to be much of a game. No. But it does look like we'll probably have a 7 o'clock kickoff under the lights uh, for our opener against the evil one. And that game will not be a blackout. We will be wearing red jerseys, and everybody in the stands will be wearing black, I mean, uh, red shirts. Yeah, hopefully they have packed the black jerseys up <laughs> until the 22nd century. Holy crap. I tell you what, I want to see black pants before I see black jerseys again. Hell, I want to see red pants before I see yeah. black Yeah, black pants, red pants. We're undefeated in red pants. You got that right, brother. So, um, nobody arrested. Not much going on. Kids just doing their summer workouts, which is something we're going to talk about later. But yeah. I did want to talk about uh, these predictions that we're getting, because we are in the doldrums of summer. You've got Mark Bradley, friend of the dogs. Yeah, more or less. Not really. I no. Was, that was kind of a tongue-in-cheek just joke loves to Just loves to stir up crap. He's a friend of Caleb King. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He loves him some Caleb King, yes, doesn't he? Yes, he does. But uh, he's picked us to go 8-4. and four. And uh, Jeff Dantzler has got us going at 7-5, and five, which has caused much you know, gnashing of teeth amongst the dog nation, old dog. So I'm here. I, want, I know you've got some news from Phil still. Um Tell us how we're supposed to feel about these predictions of 7 and 5 and 8 and 4. Well, I really don't think you can put a whole lot of stock in them. And I think a lot of it is what a lot of the radio folks do, too. They just throw out some outrageous stuff just to get people talking. They love to hear their name. And lo and behold, we're talking about it. Right. And we've thrown out their names. Yes. Um, you know, some of the people that they're telling us we're going to lose to, I don't, I really don't see. Uh, we may have. A couple, I, I hate to say it, but right now I'm figuring we can chalk up one loss for sure, and that's against the Mighty Gators. Yeah, I mean, really, now, all joking aside, 
I'm ever confident and ever hopeful, but really, the Gators are going to come back stacked this year. We're gonna. It's going to take a very special effort for us to beat the Gators. Yeah, I mean, it is. We are going to have to have everything right. Phil Steele, who's probably puts out the best uh, preseason football prognostication magazine, uh, has again picked Florida as number one. Has going to have them repeating as national champ, and some of the stuff that he bases it on, and the scariest thing is he breaks it down, does a lot of mathematical stuff in there. And Florida, on their defense, is returning 98% of their tackles. Now, I'm not talking about their two defensive linemen (laughs) that play the right and left tackle. I'm talking about the 11 guys they have on the field that are slated as starters accounted for 98% of their tackles last year. Their tackling output. And really on offense, uh, their offensive line is going to be extremely tough and really the only cog in their machine that they lost is Percy Harvin. And they've got about two or three guys I think that can probably step in and do something similar. To what he did. So, Jeez, old dog. Is this turning into a damn Urban Meyer love fest? Here no. Or something? Oh, not at all. You going soft I, on the Gators? I hate. I hate the Gators, and I hate. I hate Urban Meyer. I'm just saying in the prediction stuff, this seven and four, eight and five. I mean, you know, you throw that out the window. Uh, I think we're going to lose one game, and I think it's going to be to the Gators. Hmm. I hope not. Hmm. Well, I tell you what, that's pretty heady stuff there. I mean, what I want to talk about is the fact that our first six games, I believe our schedule is much tougher this year than it was last year. Uh, No doubt. I mean, our first six games, we just don't get a break. No. On the road at Oklahoma State, and then we come home playing a rested South Carolina team that's going to be coming off nine days rest. After a big Thursday Thursday night night game. game. You know how they roll up in the Gamecock country, baby. That's right. They rock and roll on Thursdays. Lord have mercy. The Gamecocks and uh, every JV school squad that you know of plays on Thursday Absolutely. nights. Absolutely. But we do have a brutal schedule. We do. And, I mean, the Oklahoma State game, too, It's I think it's going to be a real teller for us because it really is, if history does tells us anything, uh, you know, the past – well, a lot of stuff killed us last year on defense, but the passing game really did because we had no pass rush and we had nobody that could cover anybody. And Oklahoma State is probably going to throw the ball 75 to 80% of the time. Yes. So, I mean, we really need to step up. We have got to get pressure on the quarterback. Right. And I know we've been fooling around with uh, Marcus Washington coming off of the end doing some pass rush and some of these things, we're really going to have to throw the kitchen sink at these guys, keep them off guard, because I tell you what, as long as we have Willie Martinez, not just as a defensive coordinator, but as our secondary coach, we're going to have people there that can barely tackle and can't cover worth a damn. Well, i tell you this. I'm hanging my hat for the Oklahoma State. I'm going to hang my hat on the fact that it's, you know, a lot of people are worried about Oklahoma State game. You know, you got to remember, it's their first game, too. And it's our first game. And i, I got to tell you, I'm going to hang my hat on the fact that we're going to have a natural 
speed advantage. We're going to have a natural ferocity advantage just from being the SEC. I think first game to first game, I'll stack up an SEC team first game experience versus you know an out a Midwest team, a Big Twelve team, or whatever whatever damn conference they play in. Well, I mean, and and in theory, I agree with you. The the two main things that really scare me about this game, and I just talked about the one, was just if we don't drastically improve on our main two weaknesses on our defense last year, we could really get blown out of the water. The other thing that concerns me is we are not going to win many shootout games this year, I don't think, with Joe Cox's quarterback. I know. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be an adequate guy. But I think our offense this year is probably going to be good for somewhere between 28 and 33 points a game. Right. And I real, I mean, we're not going to be beating LSU 53 to 50 or any of these things like we had before. And really the other thing that concerns me along on the offensive side is really our lack of a proven running back. I think that would really help. I think the offensive line this year is going to be drastically improved. And um, much deeper. Main two reasons is we're getting a lot of our starters back that were injured last year, and everybody's got another year of experience no and doubt. another year of strength no doubt. and another year to get the playbook down and know what's up. But uh, it sure would be nice to have no Sean back or just – any proven, a real settled, a proven, starter. right, a proven running back that we could have, and uh, Derek and I were talking about it. I firmly believe this is going to be another year where we've got running back by committee again. I think we're going to see a lot of Richard Samuel. I think we're going to see a lot of Caleb King, Carlton uh, Thomas, Carlton Thomas in there, and we're hoping for big things out of Washboard Ely. Yes, we are, and <laughs> and hopefully we're and but I just. You know, I'm not a proponent of anything done by committee, and hopefully a little later on this year we're going to get uh, our offensive line coach on, Coach Searles. And I don't want to ask him the question of what he thinks about running back by committee on our team, but back when he was at Auburn and he was actually playing the line, I'd like to know, did he rather block for one running back knowing their traits, knowing what they did, or did it matter to him who was back there? Right. I'm of the opinion that an offensive lineman would prefer one back that he knows, knows his traits, knows his tendencies, and goes from there. And I just hearken back to the good old days because I am the old dog when we were handing Herschel Walker the ball 40 times, and no one really gave a damn who his backup was. <laughs> right. Except for Tron Jackson's parents. Yeah, exactly. The backup. Right. <laughs> his parents. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, a lot of people were talking about replacing Noshawn Moreno and, and Matthew Stafford. And, you know, I've been talking a lot about the fact I'm a lot less worried about us replacing Matthew Stafford than I am Noshawn Moreno. Yeah. I feel that Joe Cox is a much more capable backup to Stafford than any of the running backs we have being a backup to Noshawn. Because, and I also am a little unsettled by the fact that we just don't have the position settled. Right. I, I wish that we had a clear number one, a guy who we knew was going to get the most snaps. Yeah. 
And um, I wish, I, I don't know, I just wish we were a lot more settled. Even if we got to do it by committee, at least let's know. We don't even know who number one is. We don't even know what we got. No. Because so many guys were hurt in spring. We didn't see Jackson. We didn't see Samuel. Nobody knows anything about what Sean Ely, what he can do. We know what Caleb King's got, and we know what Carlton Thomas has got. Yeah. But I mean, you know, and more importantly, we know what Caleb King doesn't have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, and that's the reported game when we, yeah, when that, we brought him in as a recruit. Well, it's it's Caleb King's problem. Is, you know, we've always, we've talked about it for years. In my opinion, his he doesn't have the heart. He doesn't have the heart. He doesn't have the attitude. He's read too much of the damn AJC. Well, I think he and read. Yeah. Him, I think he weights. read his press releases and believed them. Exactly. He, you know, versus a guy like Noshawn Moreno, who ran like he has, like he was pissed off. Right. Ran every play like he had something to prove, not like I've already done it. And if you don't, you know, I don't care if I can do it anymore. Or not. Yeah. Caleb King runs like he's already won the Heisman, and Noshawn ran like he needed to win the Heisman. Yeah. So. That's what we're going to have to find out this year. Yeah, but and really, our those first two games, uh, I yeah. think they're going to be a real harbinger of what the season's going we're to bring. Find out a lot because our, you know, going back to it, uh, even though it's not a conference game, the opener is really, really going to test our weakness on defense. Uh, we're going to see what the offense has. I'd love to see us be a ball control team again, and SEC season opener under the lights against the evil one. It doesn't get any better than that. Absolutely. And, of course, they're off a big Thursday night game, and they've got God's quarterback, Stephen Garcia. <laughs> the, few, the hope of the game. Yeah, comes. at least for every other down before Spurrier starts jerking him out to play somebody else. Now, I want to bring up one other thing. I was, um, I was sitting at the Varsity. They had a couple of naked dogs and a big orange drink. Had your order in your mouth and your money in your hand, didn't you? Exactly okay. right. <laughs> and... I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, is, a, is a loyal fan of the Bulldogs. sits in the shadow of the of the of the suites. He likes sitting up there, like he has his back against the concrete wall, sitting on about the ten yard line. But he's in the shadow of the skyboxes. And um, we're talking, and he told me something I hadn't really thought about before. He said, "You know, notwithstanding, forget about the number one preseason ranking last year. The fact that we finished nine and three. You know, a lot of people were unhappy with the way we lost, the games we lost, and just about as unhappy was the way that we won some of the games that we won. We just seemed to be getting by, you know, we talked about twigs and rabbit's feet last year, and the games we lost, we got our ass handed to us. Yeah, I mean... And we didn't even, it's like we didn't even try. We weren't even a part of the game. Yeah, I mean, the two, the, the two just humiliating losses that we had at the hands of Alabama and Florida. It was really, if if I were on the team, I would have been embarrassed. Right. I mean, because we just, and, you know, don't believe this. Well, we came back against Alabama in the second half. If Alabama had wanted to play, they they would have continued to kick our ass all over the field. Well, and my- And I think the one, though, that sticks in my crawl the most was just the utter... Let down and give upness that we had against Georgia Tech. We on went defense. in, we oh yeah, we went in at halftime, twelve points up, and I don't know who came out on our defense in the second half, but it sure wasn't the team that did. And even getting spanked against Alabama and Florida, I think probably the most embarrassing loss 
we had was just the utter letdown on defense that we had against Georgia Tech. Well, just like you said the other day, if everybody on our defense was playing like Rennie Curran and we get beat, then by God, we just get beat. Yeah, you know. but at least we gave it our all and we're playing with heart. But here's my friend's point, though. He was talking about last year, and then he was talking about this year and what our expectations are, and Jeff Dancer, we're talking about the seven and five. And he said, you know, I could I you know, even if we went nine and three this year, I could be happier than I was last year if we would just damn play, you know? If we're just in the games, giving it our all, and we don't get our butts handed to us, and we just appear to care and really be getting after it. The record from last year wasn't the thing that pissed us off and deflated the nation so much. It was the way we just quit. Yeah. And the way we either didn't show up at all, like Alabama, or the way we just quit, like we did in the George Tech game. You know, a 9-3 and three with some heart helped. It's okay. I mean, as a dog fan, you're never going to be happy at nine I, and three. And I'm not but, suggesting but I know, that we're happy. I know exactly what you're saying. And as we said before, I would feel I would have felt a lot better with last season if you know we had lost to Alabama in overtime, Florida beat us by a field goal, and Georgia Tech beat us on a miracle play. But that wasn't the case. I mean, it would still have been losses, but. The three losses we had were just humiliating. I know. Well, a couple more things we want to talk about. We've been attacked. We've been we've been attacked here at the Dogcast by the Collegiate Licensing Corporation based out of Atlanta because they say they saw somebody wearing a Dogcast shirt yeah. downtown in Atlanta, and they believe that it has some licensed content, and maybe they and the University of Georgia are due some money from the little itty bitty old dog cast. And we're gonna, here's a little trivia question for you. We are suggesting that the Collegiate Licensing Corporation contact our attorney, the attorney for the dog cast, Jay Rivers Walsh. Has his office in the basement of Memorial Hall. Now, if you're a real damn dog fan, you'll get that little piece of trivia. If anybody knows who Jay Rivers Walsh is and knows why his, why his office is in the basement of Memorial Hall, Send that to me in an email at dogcast.com. Let us and know. And we'll send you some of our secret, illegally licensed... We'll, we'll send you a shirt that you can't wear out in public. <laughs> because there's some idiot in Atlanta sneaking around... Who has nothing better to taking do... Taking pictures of people wearing <laughs> collegiate gear. How lame and trying, is your job and trying if that's your job? And trying to figure out if it's licensed or not. I think I may have a pair of unlicensed boxers. Yeah. So anyway... And if you're from the CLC and you're listening to this, please direct all your future correspondence to J. Rivers Walsh in the basement of Memorial Hall. It'll get to him. Athens, Georgia. Now, let's talk about the new big thing. This is the big story we've been wanting to break all summer. I mean, you know, maybe I've, I might have pumped it up too much in advance, like I usually do. It, it can happen. But there's been a lot said about Willie Martinez and how we want to move Willie Martinez out of the state of Georgia. We, to a man, the Bulldog Nation is pretty much unanimous. Well, you know, you say move him out of the state of Georgia. I would love for him to be the defensive coordinator <laughs> over at Tech. That's true. It'd be like having a defensive Reggie Ball all over again. <laughs> exactly. We'd have like a mole in the yeah. staff of Paul Johnson. Yeah, let me say, we want to move him out of Athens. Yeah. But 
I've been talking to some friends on the coaching staff in at Georgia for Georgia football. I'm not going to name any names here because some people have uh, media gags on and they don't want me to divulge my sources. But we have, in the opinion of some staff members on the Georgia football staff, a bigger problem in the Bulldog football program than Willie Martinez. And I'm going to go ahead and name names. Do it. Dave Van Hallinger. A guy that we have hardly ever talked about here on the show. If you're not a super tight Georgia fan, or unless you're Alley Dog, you probably might not even know who Van Hallinger is. And if you don't know, let me tell you. He is Georgia's strength and conditioning coach. And let me tell you why we're bringing him up as the new boogeyman for the dog cast. The situation in the weight room over last summer and over the and so far in the spring and this summer has gotten so desperate in terms of a lack of accountability, a lack of work ethic. Forget everything you've heard about all the work ethic and the mat drills and all that kind of crap. Yeah, because we're not going to talk about mat drills ever again. I'm here to tell you that, and I'm telling you, this is straight from the top. The work ethic and the attendance record, especially on the defensive side of the ball, in the weight room, is not all that it should be. And the facts that we have to back this up is open for anybody. All you need to do is look at our defensive guys. Go back to their recruiting weights. Look at their speed. Look at their bench press. Look at their weight. How much they actually weighed. I'm talking about their physical mass. How much they weighed when they got to Georgia. And then look at how much they weigh, how much they can squat, how fast they can run after, say, their sophomore year, their junior year, their senior year. It's very clear to me that those kids aren't growing as much physically, maturing as men as they should be. And I'm here to tell you that we have coaches on our staff that have coached at other schools that know how other schools get it done in the weight room. And I'm telling you, a large part of the problem on defense, and you know, the coach I talked to said... And offense too. True, but I'm, I'm going to get to that in just a second. The coach I talked to specifically said, look, if you're a bad tackler, let's say you're an arm tackler, let's just pick a name out of this air. Brian Evans. There you go. Let's just say you're an arm tackler by nature, okay? My guy says it's a whole hell of a lot easier to arm tackle... If you got an arm. If you've got really good, strong arms. And specifically, if you look at the Georgia Tech game, it's a whole lot easier to run with those receivers deep into the fourth quarter, to tackle those those running backs that are coming around the end in the fourth quarter. I'm telling you, our work ethic in the weight room is not up to snuff, and it starts at the top. We don't have the level of accountability in the weight room that we should have. Well, we need to get it. And I'll go one step further. It's gone. It's gotten so bad, the accountability of the strength and conditioning coach, that the offensive side of the guys on the ball, guys like Mike Bobo and Stacey Searles, are using their own graduate assistants, their own staffing assistants, to double-check Van Hallinger's people to make sure that the guys on the offensive side of the ball, receivers, running backs, skill positions in line on the offensive side of the ball, are showing, are get, up, are showing up and, and getting their work done. Doing. We've got defensive guys on the ball showing up three out of 30 days. Four and five out of 30 days, old dog. And I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to run with Florida receivers in the fourth quarter 
showing up four days a month. No, and you know, and if you decide not to tackle and your technique is to bump somebody out of bounds, you better have the bulk to do the bump. You better be able to bump his ass. Yeah, or you're gonna get you're gonna get hit and knocked back and that man's gonna fly down the field. And you know, I, I hate to cast aspersions, but I'm telling you guys, a lot of our problems not to mention the fact that all this comes, what this helps us, how this hurts us in the area of injuries. Injuries, durability, stamina in the fourth quarter, these are areas that we've been getting weaker and weaker on over the last few years. And it really came to a head last year. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, it has not gotten better in the weight room this spring and over the summer. Well, and, you know, I hate to, I hate to bring it up because I know you're in man love with him. But, again, it boils down to the fact that it starts at the top and as wonderful as it is to be loyal to people and have your friends and and everything else you know this is a this is truly a business uh you know you've got people that are paying tens of thousands of dollars to sit in that stadium to see the product to see a product and we cannot be putting an inferior product out and I really do think as much as I like him coach Rick has hung his hat with Martinez and some of these other people guys uh, that have been around for a long time Ben Hallinger's been around forever yeah I mean they came in with Rick yeah and it's you know coach Rick has put himself in a situation I think where if we don't drastically improve in some areas, he's going to be on the hot seat. You know, right now, nobody's calling for his head. Everyone was calling for Martinez's head. Everyone was calling for, you know, we're calling for Van Hallinger's head. Right. You know, I mean, it's something has got to happen. And if he can't see it or if he is unwilling to make a change for some reason, then it's going up to the top. I agree. I totally agree. And, I mean, everybody knows, I mean, look, Mark Rick has no greater supporter than me, but hell, we cannot afford to sink the damn ship over over loyalties to Martinez and Van Hounser and things like that. Right, and, and I'm no fan of Martinez, and I'm also no big fan of Van Hounser. No, right now. and and I'll tell you this too. I mean, you know, and y'all may start throwing stones at me, make little voodoo dolls of old dog, and put pins in him. I have and everything for sale. else. Go but, to dogcast.com and we sell those for nine ninety five. But I'll, but I'll tell you this, you know, when you read on these, you know, the dog, the little thing in the AJC, you know, this and that, and we talk about how great Coach Rick is and what a wonderful guy he is and how much recruits like him. Well, I tell you what, give me an asshole like Urban Meyer or Steve Spurrier that's going to win every damn game they got. I don't care how big a prick he is. He's my coach. Now, look, I'm going to be – I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about Nick Saban is the guy you're talking about. A guy like Nick Saban is the guy you're talking about. I mean, Steve Spurrier, come on. Yeah, But um, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, those guys, they're not very well liked no, by anybody. But they're winners. <laughs> Well, I think we can. I think we can balance it, but I think it's going to take Coach Rick's going to have to either start cracking the whip on some people, you know. And I'm I feel confident that Coach Rick has cracked the whip on Willie Martinez. I don't know if Willie Martinez is capable of answering the call, but I do believe that we got Martinez. We got his attention. Yeah, I mean, and and Derek, I just go back to the point that even when we had Van Gorder as our defensive coordinator. I think categorically, and I think most any Bulldog fan will agree with me, 
over the years, the weakness, the weakest part of our of our defense has been our defensive backs. Yes. And from day one, when Coach Rick set foot on the campus at the University of Georgia, our defensive backs coach has been one Willie Martinez, the best man at Coach Rick's wedding. Yeah, and his college roommate at Miami. Um, so there you go, dog fans. Our new whipping dog at the dogcast.com. I'd say co-whipping dog. Co-whipping dog. Cause I ain't, cause, cause I'm not taking, I'm not taking the paddle off of Martinez. So at the head of the chumps board, Willie Martinez, and now we have a co-head. We got a 1A and a 1B. Van Hallinger, 1A and 1B. Because I'm telling you, Dave Van Hallinger is not getting it done in the weight room. And these kids, I mean, as, as good as they are, you look at a guy like Bruce Figgins, works his entire life to try to make it to the NFL and blows it up with a couple marijuana joints yeah. at the Butts Muir building. They call those blunts now. Yeah, blunts. Yeah, yeah you're right. I, the marijuana cigarettes. <laughs> That's how hip I am, you know. Um, these kids, they're still kids. And they're not, they, they don't all have the most fantastic work ethic. Well, they're like any kid. They want, they crave discipline. They may, they may tell you they don't. They may want to go their own way. But I'm telling you, anybody under the age of 21 secretly wants to be told what to do. And when they do it and do it right, they like to get the praise. I'm just telling you, when we've got coaches, assistant coaches on the coaching staff, that can see that the problem in the weight room is so bad that they have to hire more people to check up on the people who are supposed to be checking up on the weight room because they think those people aren't doing their jobs. Yeah. We we got a problem. I mean, hell, it's like Faber College. That's like being on double secret probation. I'm telling you, we we got a problem. We do. Because the guys that are supposed to be accountable for workouts in the in the weight room, they're doing their job so poorly that our other assistant coaches are like, we need somebody else to be watching them. Our own guy. And that can't continue, guys. No. So we're beating the table on this weight room thing right now. June 14th, we've still got two months of dang summer left to go. We've got 60 more days of kids to be working out. we got to get some kids in there, and they need to start lifting some weights, doing some mat drills. Hell, I don't care what they're doing, but they need to be in there working out. Yeah. And not playing. Dog fans, that's about it. we got a couple of interviews coming over summer, a couple of secret, super secret interviewees. We've got a woman, I think, going to come on the show, a lady who is much, much smarter than Old Dog and myself combined. No doubt. So um, we're going to bring her on. She actually may just take the show over and because uh, people are going to like her a lot better yeah. than us. And uh, we're also going to have an interview with the 2008 University of Georgia in- Employee of the Year, who is also a Desert Storm veteran and the father of Travis from Bogota, mm-hmm. secret CIA operative deep in the jungles of Bogota, Colombia. That's right. Or Southern California. Wherever he may end up. And really, who knows where it's he It's all is. a drug war zone, right? That's right. So uh, we've got lots of stuff going on. last thing I want to close with is the Dog Bone, a favorite website of the Dogcast, dogbone.net. On hiatus. Listen, it's, it's rest in it's peace. It's toast. It's toast. Dogbone.net, if you've been a big fan of the Dog Bone, i got to tell you, it's RIP for the Dog Bone, and I'm sad to see it because we really enjoyed the Dog Bone. It's a great website. Oh, it Wish was. Wish they'd bring it back. But I'm sending out the call to our good friend Nate Shiflett. The time is now, Nate. The dogcast.com needs to be the new dog bone. Yeah. So once we get that new website up, we'll be collating news headlines just like the dog bone used to do. And uh, we're going to step into the gap and fill that need for you dog fans. Thanks for listening. Call us, 706-534-1516, or email us at dogcast at gmail.com. 
and wear your dog cast shirt proudly without fear. Especially anytime you're in Atlanta. And if you have any questions about that, email us at jriverswalsh at Memorial Hall. There you go. Thanks, dog fans. Dog cast out.